Welcome to the Coaching by Bell podcast, the podcast where each episode we feature women entrepreneurs, founders, and leaders in business. The podcast showcases a variety of interviews, coaching style conversations, and live coaching sessions. I am your host, Isabel Hertz. I am a business coach integrating past and present, bridging old stories with new intentions. I help people hear between the lines of their story, tap into insights, inner wisdom, and opportunities to hear their own voice as a means for change. Let's get listening. Hi, Ella. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) What is on your mind today? What would you like to bring forward? We were chatting a little bit earlier and kind of like I said, I have like a list of about 10,000 things we could work on potentially. Mm -hmm. But I think if I was kind of going straight to the gut a bit, it would be, so I do freelance writing and it would be that I kind of am finding myself waylaid with things that are really related to where I want to be. But I seem to have a, feel a sense of resistance or feel like a sense of, I'm never going to get to the spot I actually want to be. Do you have this feeling every day just to get the context here or does it come up in certain situations? Yeah, I think it's an everyday thing. I think it's kind of like an overall general and like while saying this, I know how bad this is and how negative it is towards the whole situation. I think it's just like an overall general attitude towards the situation too has become that. And so what do you envision? What is your big picture dream that feels just sort of a catch away? (laughs) Yeah. So I would love to be a travel writer and write for National Geographic and do all this really cool culture writing. And in my mind, it feels really just like the absolute spot where I want to be. And and it's where I've wanted to be for like kind of giving my dream for the last, like I think it's those 16. And, um, and so I'm traveling and I'm writing, which is awesome and which I absolutely love, but it feels like I'm just a little left of center and I'm like, I'm always going to be there. Okay. And what kind of things are you taking on now that are just sort of left to center? I guess I'm like, not sure like, oh, should I be celebrating where I am right now? Cause it is, you know, took a long time to get here and is definitely closer than I've ever been before. Right now I'm doing writing, like business writing, healthcare writing, just started taking on a little bit of other stuff too, which is cool, but mainly like copy and content writing. Okay. It's related in some ways, it sounds like, but it's not totally travel. Could you make the connection? Could you make that jump to say business writing relates to travel in X way? Could you kind of see that? Right now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, right now it's a little too far up. I mean, I think now it's like the two separate things, which are still like really, really glad to be traveling and to be writing. Like that's really cool itself, but it's like, I could definitely see myself like being here for the foreseeable future and like, which is awesome. But like, Mm -hmm. I'm just very aware that it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that you say, I feel like maybe I should celebrate where I'm at and that I should, you know, appreciate what I've already accomplished. And I think maybe there's a a sort of split here of I should be celebrating and I also want this. And maybe there's an opportunity to integrate those two parts of yourself a little bit more so that you can celebrate and you can strive to to change the the kind of work that you're doing they're not opposites so for example what what comes to mind as i hear you say that is that you can set the intention for 
where you want to be. You can make it as specific as you want, but you don't have to attach timelines or expectations to it. You can just say, I, I want to be this travel writer. This is this is what I want to do. And so then looking at what you're doing now and seeing how those opportunities that you have are helping you to get to that place or hindering so that you can then maybe put your energy and your time into maybe just some of them, maybe none of them, if it's not helping you get to the really juicy dream clients that you want. What part of that or does any of that land with you? I think that makes a lot of sense that it doesn't have to be an either or. It can be a joint connection between the two. I guess it's that roadmap of how to get there. I think there's like two parts at play. There's the there's like the roadmap part, which would be like the tangible, like, okay, like you need to do X, Y, Z and set like this much Mm -hmm. time aside. And I think that I'm having challenges with that. And then I think there's also like the mental space. And I think that maybe that's the more difficult one. Um, Mm. And that's kind of the brain monster that says like, you're never going to get there. Like this thing is out of reach. You've never been able to be there before. Like this is something will always come up. So I think that that's like the stickier one is the Mm. brain monster. (laughs) And then the tangible stuff is, is hurdles, but hurdles that are a little more practical to to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. So the one that feels like the bigger kind of monster, it sounds like it's your voice of doubt. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Is that your voice of doubt saying you're never going to get there? Yeah. 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 So it's interesting. I was just writing about doubt before this call and what I have found to be really helpful with my own experience of doubt is to digest it more rather than sort of pushing it away. I don't know how much you feel comfortable with your doubt. Do you have a kind of visceral experience of wanting to kind of push it away? Like there's a spider on your arm or something? (laughs) Yeah, totally. I think maybe because it is kind of a a dream that I've been like lugging around for so long that the longer and longer I lug it around and haven't achieved it yet, the bigger of a thing comes, well, yeah, it hasn't happened by now. Like it ain't going to happen. I think right now there is definitely a tendency to just kind of go like, all right, I'm not even going to look in that door. It's super messy. Let's play with this a little bit then. If it's sort of like you're shutting it behind a closet, maybe we can bring it out a little bit. And I want to say welcome her in to the conversation. So she probably doesn't want this part of you. I'm going to call her a she, unless that doesn't feel fitting to you. That's totally cool. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) She probably wants the same thing, but she's getting thrown into the closet to keep that metaphor and and not able to express what is really important. If you listen to that part of yourself, what do you think she wants? Like, what do you think that she is really trying to speak for when she's saying like, eh, it's not really going to happen. What are some of the other parts of it? Tell me oh, if you like the them. resistance part, like the, mm-hmm. oh, okay. She's a total bitch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a general feeling of like, when you want something so bad and you put it on a pedestal and you like make it unattainable. Mm-hmm. it's almost like we like wrap the things we want the most into these like faraway packages. Whereas like something else that may be like just as hard, if not harder, because I haven't like built it up to be this thing. I could like do it no problem without any resistance. If that makes sense. It totally makes sense. Um, yeah. The main things that she would say would be like, you can't have the things that you want the most or you're not worthy. I think there's definitely a lot of worthiness in there. Mm. And then I think there's also like scared of like, what if I do get it? And what if it goes really well? That could be like the worst thing of all, right? Mm. So then I think that's in there too. 
I think that might be the most powerful part of it that it seems like is holding you sort of captivated is although maybe the first pieces are are sort of getting you stuck and that's where you it seems like you want to shut the closet that you can't have the things you want the most and you're not worthy it seems like those are the ones that you're like slamming the door on and saying like go in the closet but then that third part of well what if you really get it it seems like that might be the biggest kind of monster here because that voice is likely holding you back from taking small steps to get there. And if you're in this place where you're doing writing that you're grateful for, but it's also not really what you want to do and you're not really seeing how it can help you, then that leap is so big that that part of you that fears the success is likely actually standing in the way more than the other parts. Does that resonate for you? Yes. I think I'm a little bit lost on the connection between like the work writing right now that I'm doing and then like kind of where that fits into the picture. But yeah, I, I think that that kind of like, oh, what if what if it all does work out? I think that that being terrifying is definitely on the table. Yeah. So what if it did all work out? Let's just go to that voice for a second. And then I think this question will get a little more clear for you. What, what if it did all work? Uh, what if you were a travel writer tomorrow? Then what? That'd be really kick-ass. Then what? I think I would just just do it and love it and be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you lit up. You said, well, I would just be doing it. I would just be thriving and, and yeah. happy. Yeah. So fantastic. the jump between where you're at now and, and to get there is to imagine that possibility to kind of feel that feeling that just radiated off of you and to think about how you can use what you have now to help you achieve what you ultimately want to get. And so there's a few different ways to go about this. One of them is to look at how what you're doing now is helping you to be a travel writer. And if there really are no connections, then you could go back and say, all the work I'm doing now is helping me make some money. And I'm going to do the base amount that I need to do in order to fill my time in other ways with things that are helping me get on the map as a travel writer. So there's sort of like the two different approaches and, and or they go in tandem and mm-hmm. you combine the two. What could you remove from the writing now that's maybe not necessary or maybe not giving you as much money or freedom that you could take that time and work for yourself to build up your true writing practice? Like basically identifying, this is the tangible part of identifying, okay, how do Mm -hmm. I get there? Like, what am I doing that needs to change? What is working? What isn't? That's kind of the shift that... Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And what can you do with how you're spending your time now to have it benefit you as much as possible later? I think there is a lot of that going on, which is awesome with just learning the ropes of freelancing and like even like invoices and taxing, like that sort of logistical things. And then also like writing faster, like focusing, like, and I think there's so much mental work to be done around, like considering yourself a real job as a writer. You know, I think like just mm-hmm. that was the hurdle of like getting people to understand, like, please don't like, I can't do things during work hours. I'm working, even though I don't like clock in and clock out, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't mean like still getting my grandparents to understand that I have a job, you know, like, I don't think I've got that one yet, but um, I think that <laughs> that is all transferable. Would it help you if you kept a specific journal that is all related to this one dream 
of becoming a travel writer. And then within it, you can start to track and record some of these pieces that have have progressed you. Maybe there's ways that you can start to put that down in a journal that will help you see and reflect on where you've been. The transferable skills, we'll call them. They're not just skills, but it's the learning that you're Mm -hmm. digesting. Do you think that would be helpful to see some of your progress? Do you mean a journal like um, a personal journal or more of like a progress tracker or what sort of thing? I mean, it could it could come in a lot of forms and it could be really informal. It could be like mm-hmm. you wake up in the morning and you say, what did I learn from the work I did yesterday that will help me be a better travel writer? Mm-hmm. And you just have that simple five second, 10 second, 30 second reflection that helps you see what happened today, for example, if you were to reflect on your day and you were to ask yourself that question, what might come out of today? Mm-hmm. I was telling you this earlier, I went to therapy today. I think that's super important because I think that staying on top of my mental health is extremely important for everything like all around. But I think for travel writing as well, just to, mm-hmm. so that I'm in touch with myself, can help me connect to other people and I think that, you know, if I'm the best possible version of myself, then I can can bring that into other parts. So I think that was huge. And then taxes. And I think this, this is helpful. Um, yeah. So I think that, that everything to some degree can be related. Right. Uh, so then you today, if you were to answer that question in your journal, that's, that's your travel writer journal, you would say, I went to therapy. It helped me. This is what I just heard you say. I went to therapy. It helped me reflect on some of what I'm working on so I can I can be a better travel writer. I did a, a coaching session and it was helpful to to create some new ways of looking at my my work and my relationship with my work. I got more clear about how to approach my taxes and my finances. And so that helps me take responsibility for my business and what I'm really doing here. And I am running a business, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have these three concrete examples and maybe they're not exactly writing as a travel writer, but then as you start to observe some of the travel writing pieces and some of the the writers that you admire, you can see what kinds of things they talk about when they're journeying or when they're writing about an experience. And, And you might start to notice some of those commonalities just because you've brought it to the surface of your own mind and your own consciousness, right? This is a very like logistical hurdle that I find myself running into. And I don't know if it's like an excuse or what, because then again, like we prioritize what's important to us, right? Mm-hmm. But I really feel like time has been a really big factor as far as like mental capacity to sit and work at a computer and like have the brain capacity to do the same type of work that's like the writing that I'm getting paid for. And so just the time to do that shift and that transition. And I don't know if the answer is that, okay, Wynn just recommended this book to me, but like Bird by Bird. I don't know if you've read it by, Mm-mm. and it's really good. It basically like, there's that concept of like one foot at a time, you know, it's so like, I don't know if it's going to be a process of like one small step at a time, whereas my brain wants these like dramatic shifts that aren't going to happen. But I, I feel like time is at least the excuse that my brain keeps running into and, and telling me. Time and money are the most common things that people put forward as blocks to their own success. And I really would relate that back to the, what if it all worked out part of your doubt? Yeah. Because most of the people who don't choose to work with me, for example, will tell me they don't have the time or they don't have the money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And typically we're spending money on all sorts of things in our lives. And we spend time doing all sorts of things as Mm -hmm. well. 
And so it's about reshifting priorities and, and really thinking about what it is that we value most. You know, do we, do we need to eat a meal out or could we cook it for ourselves for half the price? Could we maybe find a cheaper flight? Could we stay at a less expensive hotel? There's so many things. Could we take a different course or could we put a course on hold that we, we don't need right away? So I'd be curious what the time part of you is representing. Cause I, I, I think there's a relationship to that. What if it all worked out? Does mm-hmm. anything kind of come to mind? Yeah, I could definitely see that relationship there. As far as like where I feel like my time is being spent now. Yeah. Well, when you say time, if you really kind of just sit with your own voice of, well, I don't know if I have an, I don't know that I have enough time. Is there anything underneath that, that kind of comes out right away? So I think there's like a couple of different things. I think there's the sense that I'm already late. I definitely feel that a lot. Like I'm already behind to what I should have done or should have figured Mm. out. And so, and I think there's a sense of like limited capacity. I'm generally like a slow writer in the the world of writers, people can write a lot faster than me. And so I think that I get frustrated with that, with how slow it takes me because that my rate, um, like my hourly rate drops because it takes me so long to do things. But I'm very thorough. Uh, <laughs> but so I think that that has always been been difficult. And I think that I'll always prioritize client work over my own work. And so I, I guess time-wise would be that there's not enough of it. I don't have enough mental capacity to do client work and to make clients happy and and meet their needs and then also to start moving where I want want to go. What you're talking about at the root of this and under your time that I hear you talking about is comparison. That your time your time scarcity comes with comparison. I should be further. I don't write as fast as other people. I should write faster. So then I produce less. So then I'm then I'm making less as an hourly rate. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what I mean. Like if you really kind of sit with it, sometimes you can see what is under your own time. What is that part? And so it sounds like yours is comparison. I suspect when you can free yourself from comparing to other people and structure your time for the way that you work best, which might be slower and it also might not be. I mean, you might be slower than the people you know in your circle, but might not be slower than the average person still who writes. (laughs) And so when you can structure your time, just knowing who you are and accepting who you are, then I suspect that that part of you, that the what if it all worked out, won't be so afraid of it working out anymore because it's not about how other people are doing it anymore. It's about how you're doing it. So that what if it all worked out a fear of like how it would look to other people. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like it's there's a lot of that and and just I sh- should do it differently. I should write faster if I want to be a travel writer. It probably comes in combination with that. If I want to be a travel writer, it's not going to work out if I write this slowly. If I mm-hmm. don't pick up the pace on this project, if I don't appeal to the client, but maybe that's the very thing that's actually holding you back is mm-hmm. that you're not really honoring the way that you work and that you process things. You know, mm-hmm. I, I remember a coach telling me that I should always schedule my other client calls right after. Here's an example of what you're talking about. I should, uh, if I have a client call at four, I should schedule the next one at five. And I said, but I, I like leaving time between. 
I, I like leaving 15 minutes or sometimes even a half an hour. Sure, it means that I'm not billing for that time. But I know that if I'm moving from one thing to the next thing, I'm not as effective as a coach. So I don't do that. And therefore, I don't book sometimes 15 minutes, 30 minutes, multiple times in a day in between people. But that helps me show up more fully. I'm curious for you how you can show up the most fully for your own process, knowing that you, it sounds like, like to be thorough and really like to take your time when you're working on something. So then how do you honor that you're like that? Do you charge higher prices? Do you increase your hourly rate knowing that you need to, it needs to spread across, you know, more hours? Does anything come to your mind when I ask that question? There could be, and then there's an endless amount of possibilities that come to my mind. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a big thing is like allowing myself to noodle and not Mm. like kind of piling on the guilt when I'm like not being productive or not like getting something done that's like work-related or or now because I'm, you know, not a travel writer yet. And I feel like anytime I'm not doing that, I'm like falling behind even further. You know, I should like every free moment needs to be working towards that. Otherwise it doesn't count. And it's like, well, that noodling time of like, you know, reading something not work-related or like being out in nature, you know, just like, like, Mm -hmm. I think that that is so, I mean, that's so important. And so I think giving that the time and space and like respect that it deserves um, instead of crossing off. Cause I don't see a direct correlation between that and where yeah. I want to be. Yeah. I mean, everything you described today as being really valuable in your day had nothing directly to do with writing. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Therapy, coaching, taxes, mm-hmm. but all of them seem like they've been incredibly valuable as a part of your day to being mm-hmm the best writer. So if I'm hearing all the components of what you're talking about today, you as Ella, as the best version of yourself to become the travel writer that you want to be, you need to structure your time in a way that allows for creative space for you to kind of explore every day. And that makes a lot of sense from my experience, even just talking to you is that you are a creative and in being a creative, typically people want that, that space to just kind of, I don't know, it could be anything. Brene Brown talks about this in her newest book where she says she watches a TV show mm-hmm. to just, mm-hmm. to just, <laughs> yeah. to just like get creative ideas. And she says her best creative ideas come that way. I, I don't think mine would come from watching a TV show, <laughs> but that's your creative time, whatever that time looks like. And is it in the morning? Is it midday? Is it at night? You know, when when you have when do you have that juice sort of come through you? And so honoring that you want this sort of more open structure, that's what I hear you talking about essentially, and that you've been pushing yourself and driving yourself to reach this goal of becoming a travel writer, and that it actually is holding you back from getting there because of the pressure that it then puts on your creativity. Yeah, I think that's completely on point. I mean, what if you could get there even faster by doing less in a day? <laughs> um, it's that like work smarter, not harder, right? Like that yeah. concept. Yeah. Oh, I need yeah. to learn that. Yeah. I guess maybe I don't know what that means. I don't know. Well, it'd be really cool if I could get there faster doing less. But yeah, I guess it like 
I can't fathom that. I don't think it's about necessarily doing less. It's not necessarily about having a shorter day, but it's about having the day be structured in a way that supports your maximal creativity. And so that might be the thing for you to really just tinker with, like even just this week, knowing what you have ahead of you that are deadlines and that are priorities, and then keeping it in that journal, that specific journal that you use for travel writing is what did I do? You know, let's say tomorrow you have a really productive day. What was it that helped? Maybe I ate a really good breakfast and then I went for a walk or you know, midday, I took a phone call with a friend and I just totally checked out of work and it was really fun. And then I came back to writing and I was like productive for seven hours and I forgot it was midnight and needed to go to bed. You know, like Mm -hmm. these are the kinds of things that start to happen when we sort of, it's that flow state. It's that complete focus that comes from removing ourselves from whatever we're doing. So it sounds like you just haven't really figured out what that quite looks like yet, when a break might be helpful. And it's not exactly the same every day, but that's what I'm saying. Maybe try, like you, you have a few more days in the week left. So maybe try different combinations of things for the next few days and see what was really helpful and why it was Mm -hmm. rather than saying, Oh, I shouldn't do that. Or I shouldn't take a walk or I shouldn't take the space maybe lean into that part of you that's resisting self-care or resisting a break or a nap Mm -hmm. or some food or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. It is so hard because yeah, like I'm hearing you say all this and I'm like, yeah, like you're totally right. Like I I completely like, yeah, like a (laughs) hundred percent behind you. And then there's this other part of like guilt that is so deeply attached to Mm. all of it. And it's this, like, I'm sure it has everything to do with like how we're raised and our like society and like, and it's like, you don't quit till you're there. And so it's a sense of like, I can do all of that once I'm there. Once I'm a travel writer, I'll take a break. I'll take a walk. I'll take a bath. But until I'm there, you know, it's like, nose the grindstone. And so I, I don't know, I guess, how to, to break over that. Because I hear what you're saying and I completely, completely agree. But there's these like deep set inabilities to stop the guilt associated with it. What does the voice of guilt say? What is the strongest part of that, that voice saying to you? Uh, if I go on walks, I'm not going to be a travel writer, but I just spend all my day going on walks and like <laughs> taking paths, um, which is like, so not even what would happen, but um, yeah, just like I can get noodle room when I'm like, once I'm there, I, I'll take like room to noodle in my brain. But right now I just need to get there first. So if I take a walk, then I'm going to take longer to get there. Yeah. Yeah. What is a travel writer? Let me just ask you this for a second. What is a, what does a travel writer write about? culture and like existence and other parts of the globe and human connection and basically what it means to be human in all these different places and yeah different ways and it is it really human to need to take a walk to take a bath to practice self-care to go to therapy to have a coach to do your taxes is that pretty pretty human experience pretty human yeah, yeah. so the first step in in doing this is to take that moment to say, is this part of what I would be writing about? Is this part of traveling, exploring, writing about culture, writing about what it's like to be human? Have like a simple mission statement almost, right? As a travel writer, I would blank, blank, blank. And then mm-hmm. check it. Check whatever you're you're wanting to do against it. 
the only way to change that guilty voice is to try something that it is maybe not used to in little bits, not too much. Don't go crazy right away because it will make that part of you just really, really, really loud, too loud at first, you know, so try it in a little bit. And so you just said to me, okay, yeah, well, yeah, this is, that is all human stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you can recognize that and see that and see some sort of connection there, mm-hmm. does, do you feel any difference in hearing that repeated back? Mm, that's a good question. Hearing that repeated back. Yeah. I think, I think it goes to like how appropriate this is all about like travel writing. Um, but it's all about like journey and not the destination. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's like, if my whole focus is on the destination, then that's, I don't know, I guess just really off the mark is versus like just taking it one at a time, just being human, like letting myself be one of those humans. Yeah. So maybe, maybe a little tiny shift in that guilt, mm-hmm. just like a little kind of bit of awareness a little Mm -hmm. more awareness that came out is what I hear you noticing. Mm -hmm. And so then maybe it's just a really simple step for you, like breathing for five minutes. Maybe maybe taking a walk is just a little too much. You know, it's like too far into the guilt train that it Mm -hmm. it won't help you. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it is just that small step. So if you gauge the level, if if you say my guilt is at a 10, right now for Mm -hmm. wanting to go take a walk, then how much did hearing what a walk could do as being a part of being a human and having that journey and the journey being more important than destination, how much did it shift things for you? And let's say it shifted it for you and you're like out of 10, it shifted me like to a two, you know, like I, you know, I went from 10 guilt to two. Well, that's, that's a big jump. So maybe you have an appetite then for a walk. And if you're like, really just shifted me to a nine. You're like, okay, well maybe, maybe I'm just going to do some breathing for five minutes and then go back to working. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of like creating a little internal process for yourself that to, to answer this question that I, I would try something very simple like that. It's like you ask yourself the question, you check your awareness on a scale and then you take the appropriate action. So it's, it's structured, but it's really loosely structured because mm-hmm. you don't know what you're going to need. And maybe just five minutes of breathing will actually get you back on track. Or maybe that shifted things so much for you that you can go, go have lunch with a friend for two hours because you feel really good now. And you Mm -hmm. know that you can digest that, but you don't want to push the old behavior too far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That gradual progression. You were talking about comparison, about time, like going back to that time comparison shift and how Mm -hmm. um, that like lack of time is likely there's some root in there with comparison what I don't know I guess are there there are things that you would I don't know I guess like how do you work around that like okay so knowing so there's knowledge like yeah like you're right there is a lot there that is grounded in comparison because that's like our time is all relative right what do you do with that knowledge like how can you work with that so the voice comes up that is has some sort of comparison thought and then you're you're saying what do I do if I'm looking at a travel writer who's my age and she's already made it to be a travel writer. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that kind of where you're going with it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. That, but then also I think even more than that, cause I don't think I'm super big on comparing myself with other people. I don't think that's like the huge thing. I think it's more about just being like, Whoa, like just feeling like at the end of every day, just there's so not even time in the day, like after client work is done and I'm like, 
you know, making enough so I can like pay my bills and like the mental capacity of, of doing the same work for clients that I would need to do to move me more towards where I want to be with travel writing, just feeling a, a real lack of, of time and of, of mental capacity. I think that's yeah. more of, and then that comparison, I guess, would be with I'm not knowing how other people do it. I don't know. Yeah. There's a few things here is one is I think getting really curious about your own experience is so important here because even if something works for someone else, it might not work for you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, really coming back to what do I need here? Getting that fundamental question of what do, what do I need? But what was coming up for me as you were talking about it primarily, this is the the second piece of this that I'm I'm really wondering is, do you get energy from working alone? Do you get energy from working with people? Do you need a combination of it? How have you seen yourself? When was a time you were thriving most in a working context of some, some sort of working context? Um, I think it's a combination for sure. Um, I think that there definitely needs to be a social aspect that isn't there right now. So I think that that's an important thing. I think that having like, um, structure is really, really good because I think freelancing has (laughs) like, there's so much that it like can feel like it's not a real job just because it's, there isn't someone making you like be at the desk at nine o'clock every morning. And so I think that's kind of like, I tend to do like sprints kind of like before the deadline, do like a big cram sesh because that is when there is the accountability, right? That's when there's the other person on the other end, like waiting for the work. So I, I think that social is huge, but then I think there also is some sense of of independence and of writing on their own. So I, I think it's definitely a combination of two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and you just said that you're maybe not getting enough of that social mm-hmm. piece. And that was kind of what I was picking up on that was coming up for me as as you were talking, is that maybe the way that you structure your time isn't quite optimized to help you with a comparison lens. So you're putting more pressure on yourself because you're not necessarily having a conversation with someone that makes you realize that you're in a good place because your comparison is with yourself. You're, you're like hard on yourself, right? You're like kind of beating the hammer on your own head. Mm -hmm. And so by checking in with people and feeling that human experience and, and having that relatability that you talk about that a travel writer is already sharing that maybe that would help you slow down because you like the connectedness to people just as much as the working alone. So I wonder if that would be helpful if you had, you know, ways to, it could be regular check-ins with friends. It could be some sort of group that you set up that helps with your own process, you know, like a writing, it could be like a writing group where you hold space for people to, to come together. And so it's your accountability, but it's also your humanness that you talk about. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's what I hear that might be missing is that you're getting so in the weeds that you forget to kind of pull your head out of the grass and go like, oh, oh yeah, it's human to have doubt and to, you know, feel guilty about taking a break and to need this, this adjustment. And so to, to have that ingrained in your process, since you like the social piece, could be really helpful. If you said, I like working alone more, I would say, well, that might look more like the form of picking up a book in the afternoon rather than having a check-in call with someone because mm-hmm. you want that social piece. Maybe that check-in call or that that group or that structured time would be really helpful. It's kind of like giving yourself 
what you don't have that you know you need. And I just think that there's little adjustments that you're talking about that mm-hmm. are not quite exactly how you need them to be to for you to feel at your optimal performance and, and working levels. Little adjustments like making it a more social experience or like taking more breaks or like things like that, that maybe aren't these huge dramatic shifts that my brain thinks that mm-hmm. I need and are standing my way. It's like really not that. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if you had, let's say you had a regular working writing group. I'm just going to use this example because you you write. So it, it's an easy way to, to kind of demonstrate this. Let's say you had this every Thursday. You had an open forum. It's an open write. Whoever comes, comes to it. And you have some sort of loose structure that suits suits your needs. Do you think that that would help you or hinder you in taking a walk, going to therapy, getting coaching, and working on your taxes? No, because it's it would be virtual. So virtual things are really draining for me. Like I, I like them and I think they're better than nothing. But I think mm-hmm. that staring at a screen, because so much of my job every day involves staring at a screen, and that's yeah. just a really draining activity. I think that virtual things on top of that, obviously there's exceptions, but can be draining as well as filling. So what I've done in the past is go to like co-working spaces. And so I think I'm going to start doing one in the future. I think that would be a really good fit as far as like more of a social outlet. Perfect. So you just took the idea and made it exactly what you would actually want. And mm-hmm. and you could even take it one step further if you like the idea of having a writing group and you could offer a one-hour open writing forum with people at the co-working space mm-hmm. who are already there. So now you have the opportunity to get to know people, hear their stories, get that relatability, get more connected with that human experience it kind of becomes like a little little social outlet and probably a productive hub of of doing work or not at all you just go to a co-working space for a little while but mm-hmm. you know you're filling in kind of how you know exactly what you need already mm-hmm. you know zoom bad idea online not going to help me here's mm-hmm. where i'll get my energy mm-hmm. so if you had mm-hmm. that and you let's just say you went to a co-working space like one day a week do you think that would help you with feeling more comfortable in taking time for yourself and not expecting so much from yourself? I think so. I think honestly, and we kind of talked about this a little bit in the beginning, but I think it's like when the room is so messy, you don't even want to look in it. That's where the biggest issue is. And Mm -hmm. like, if you like open the door, like every day, even for five minutes to like clean a quarter into the room, it's okay. And Mm -hmm. I think that there's something about like right now, and I think it's really funny and I like kind of make fun of myself because it's like, I spend a lot of time and energy thinking like, oh, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm really not expending any energy towards where I actually want to be. Even five minutes a day, if it was spent like actively working in that direction, I think would make a big difference. It sounds like it to me. And you seem to be pretty, pretty confident that that would really benefit you. And so it might not be something even as dramatic as going into a co-working space. Mm-hmm. It might be something more bite-sized, even smaller than that, that mm-hmm. you like you're talking about that mm-hmm. would just give you more of that momentum towards your ultimate goal. It, it sounds to me like it's a headspace thing. I mean, that's what we've been talking about ultimately this whole time. It's a, it's a head, it's a mind shift, right? It's, I am doing what I want to do. I am on the path. And what other things can I do, even if it's just a small thing that will help me get closer to that? I mean, from what I know about you, your time 
and how you spend your time and valuing your time would be an important consideration in this too. If you know that you want to take longer to work on a project, really taking that into what you ask for so that you're not also then prematurely applying pressure to yourself to get it done. Because you want to do a good job and you want to value the time you're putting into it. So a little combination of the two might make it easier to open that closet door. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were talking with episode that I was listening to where you were talking to the personal trainer and she was saying movement like it doesn't have to be like going to the gym for an hour, lifting weights. Like and she was saying, it was like basically exercise is just movement. Right? It's consistency, and then it's something that you can can do, can commit to. And I feel like there's a lot of that kind of transfers over to here. There's a lot of parallels. It doesn't have to. I think a lot of times my brain is that perfectionist mindset of it has to look like this, and it has to be this many hours a day. And it's like, well, no, it, it doesn't. It just needs to be a little bit of movement in that direction every day. Absolutely. I just got this image as you were saying that. That as a travel writer, I imagine a travel writer to be a very playful person and to be a very outgoing, not that they have to be outgoing all the time, but just sort of this this very personable, that's I think the better word, personable, playful person. And I just had this image of you on a beach, you know, in a playful state. Like I see when I think of traveling, I think of of beaches and and being, you know, (laughs) by the water. And so maybe the work is embodying who your travel writer is. What does she look like? How does she show up? Is she on a beach? Is she in a mountain? Is she in a forest? Can you embody that even if it is just for five minutes, like we're talking about to create that consistency so that that starts to become stronger for you than your concerns that you're not there yet. What does embodiment look like? Like when you say that, what is that? Yeah. What does that actually like translate to? Usually it's like a physical embodiment, you know, like when has talked to us about sitting in your chair and really sitting up straight and how your posture can really say a lot about how you're showing up. It was a conversation that we had one time in our group and someone brought that up. And I would say it's, it is that embodiment. Like how do you embody who is Ella, the travel writer? Does she sit like this? Does she sit back? Is she forward? Is she back? Is she leaning to the side? Does she have a hand here? Is she, is she contemplative? Or is she playful with herself? Does she allow for mistakes? You know, so, so what does that look like? And kind of thinking about it more and then physically trying to kind of get in that. And maybe that is your shift. Maybe for five minutes every day, all you do is sort of get in your travel writer position and make a mental note of it. And then your your posture adjusts. I like that. That's fun. <laughs> What's sitting with you? I'm, I'm curious from, you know, bringing this forward and walking through it to this point, what is standing out to you? I think that in my brain, I'm kind of going back to what we talked about at the very beginning about um, like a fear of kicking ass and like that fear of, okay, what if it all works out? And kind of like, why do we even have that? Like, why is that even in the picture? And why does that seem to be such a core thing? Or is it not a core thing? Yeah. So I think it's just going back to that, what we were talking about in the beginning, that like fear of kicking ass and then wondering like, kind of, why is that? in the mix at all. And then if that is there, or is that kind of like just an excuse? We're talking about the time and money. Is that just like in there? Like, oh, well, let's add this fear about what if it really does work out? Like, that sounds like a good one. You know, like, is that just something like that that doesn't even need to be addressed? Or is that something that needs to be addressed? Or 
I don't know. Just I think that's sitting with me right now. Like, why is that in the mix? Because the playfulness, I hear the playfulness that we're talking about embodying isn't maybe that playfulness isn't there. Like that free spirit traveler experiencing the world, going from place to place that you described, it sounds like she's not as present with you. So when we talk about the different voices, there's the voice of doubt. There's the, you know, there's the, the voice of fear. They, there are all these different kind of almost like personas in our head and they're all connected to different parts of us. So I wonder who the doubt is connected to. So it's a little bit complex, but we have like a mind state. We have different mind states and I've labeled mine. Like I have names for them. And then I know who is the doubt. I know which part of me now is the doubt. And and I know which part of me is more playful. And it's like when one is speaking louder than the other, I'm aware of kind of where I am mentally. How open am I? And so it seems like you're not as open, right? It's that open posture sitting back and you're not as playful with yourself as you need to be when you are talking about that. It's like a simple adjustment in a lot of ways to to try something. Like let's say you take five minutes tomorrow and you do some breathing and it doesn't work. Instead of being hard on yourself and saying, well, that wasn't a good use of time. You could say, well, good experiment. I'm going to try something different tomorrow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? It's yeah, that language yeah. with yourself. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I think a big takeaway is that like, it's the little shifts. Is it? It's that like those little like poco, poco, mm-hmm. right? Like little by little or like bird by bird. It's the little shifts that actually do make the difference. Mm-hmm. And just the patience and the humanness it takes to understand that. Yeah. And so with that, it seems like the process from what we've talked about today that would be really ideal for, for you to do would be to check in first before you go into work because you have the speed in you to want to do something and to, to action it and to move things forward. And it seems like that speed is inhibiting your ability to, to really stay connected in those small moments, really, what is what I'm picking up on here. So maybe your process then here to put all these pieces together is I'm going to first check in with myself and see who is talking, what part of me is activated today most. Because always there's one part of us that's loudest, always. Mm-hmm. And typically the, the part of us that's, that's loudest most often is the one that we got kind of comfortable with as a kid because it was the easier place to, to sit. And it sounds like yours that's most active, especially these days, is whoever is a part of you, the little girl in you who's saying, be there, get there have your dream accomplished, work, work harder, work harder. Like there's this part of you that says that. So check in if she's talking, see what you can give to her. Ask her, what do you need? Your process is where am I at today? Who's speaking loudest? What does she need or he or they, depending on what voice it is. And then really listen, let an answer come to you and give yourself an opportunity to play in that space. So if the answer comes back as I need more time, let's go to time again. Okay. Well, what do you need in the time? Well, I I want to accomplish more. Okay. Well, how can I structure my time today to feel momentum, to feel Mm -hmm. productive, you know, just as a really simple example. And then it might just be five minutes of breathing to help you kind of slow down in the middle of your workday. 
something as simple as that. So I, I feel like that that might be a really good place for you to start for just these little shifts that you're talking about and see see if it changes anything. And if you don't do it tomorrow, you forget, that's okay. You don't need to beat yourself up. And if you only do it one day in the week, that's okay too. But then writing it down is is key because then you know if it's helping what's helping you or how something's helping you. You'll you'll start to notice that maybe, oh my God, in two weeks from now I woke up and the voice that's strongest is my travel writer, my teenage travel writer who made my business cards and has them sitting <laughs> on my desk. You wanna you wanna cultivate the those parts of yourself like her that that's why mm-hmm. I said I think it's a little girl. You wanna cultivate those parts of yourself that haven't been as active. That's cool. I like that a lot. And I think it's so true. I think that we tend to fall back into the grooves of our brain that have that do the most speaking or do the most narrating. And then it takes those shifts to get the tracks changed a little bit. Yeah. I'm super curious where she came from, like where that part of you that told you, you need to be really high achieving came from. Did you bring that into your own life? Did you have a, do you have an image of a teacher telling you to work really hard and, and it just made you really disciplined in that particular way of working or like, is there any image that comes to mind? for you? I think it's a combination of like personalities. Like if we do the Enneagram, so I'm like two wing with a really, really strong wing three. Yeah. Um, so that like wing three is like super strong. And then I think so personality. And I think a lot of it's just like family. And so I think that like hard work is like such a core value, my family. So it just was raised with the work ethic. And it's really funny because I actually was hearing my parents because I'm home for Christmas and hearing them talk about like their stresses and their worries and stuff. And it like makes me laugh a little bit because it's like identical to a lot of things like, oh, I don't have enough time in the day. And like all these voices are like mm. dialogues that just go around and around my head as far as like, I didn't get enough done, even though like they'll spend all day working. You know, so that's definitely a core part. Yeah. Well, and so even just identifying that in order to be a hard worker, the story that you're telling yourself here is that in order to be a hard worker, I have to work all day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that that core belief that you have that came from your family that that you were raised with is what you're fighting against. That if you don't work long hours and work at a fast pace and keep moving every day, that you're not working hard. And I think that very belief is the the root of of what we're talking about. You learned it and it made you a hard worker and it helped you get where you are. And now in a way you need to unlearn it and help your family even see that there are other ways of working hard. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to mean you do 12 hours of pumping out activities. Maybe it's nine hours, but there's a lot of creative play in there too. Mm-hmm. It seems like it was a particular way in the way that you describe it. Is that true? Mm-hmm. A particular way in what sense? Uh, like the way that you learn to work hard, the way you describe it with your your parents, mm-hmm. that there's not enough time. And so they're working really long hours, but that's not necessarily the most productive. Route. Yes. Yeah. And I know they learned it from their parents who are exactly the same way. And it's, it's such a generational mm-hmm. thing, just handed down and down. Yeah. I mean, it seems like that's the core of everything we're talking about is that if you can start to be consciously aware of the story that you have and the belief that you have that working hard looks the way that you've been modeled 
then you can start to give space for yourself to try things that may actually help you work harder. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of just accepting those beliefs. And I think that so often when things especially come from like families and come from the way we're raised, we kind of just to accept them as, as truth. Cause mm-hmm. that's like our foundation of everything, right? Like that's everything we have is built upon those things that we learn as we're growing and as our brains are like molding to be little humans. And so like, those are the hardest ones to reject because they feel so much like truth. Those are, they feel like, I mean, they are part of our core. Well, and so you don't need to reject it. You can accept it as the reason that you've gotten as far as you've gotten today and that you've created such an amazing thing for yourself and then question it, get curious and question it. Mm-hmm. What is helpful about this and what is not helpful? Okay, well, I think work ethic is amazing, but I don't know if working 12 hours is amazing for me. Mm-hmm. And so you can start to, those are the like little kind of shifts. And that's where the reflection that we just talked about will be really helpful because it will make it like a conscious awareness thing. It will be very uncomfortable at first to do it, but it will become more natural. I think that's the core of everything is what you learned. It's not wrong. It's not bad. You're not throwing it in the garbage. You're giving it a new hairdo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're making the cut a little better for your face shape. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Bangs. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you feel better? Do you feel more clear? Do you feel like there's any stickiness still? Tell me where you're at. I think that every time I kind of take out the things that I don't like or that I would rather not look at and shove into the oven because company's coming over, you know, like get rid of the messes. I think that every time I like take them out and look at them, I think that that is really helpful. And it reminds me like the monsters are in my head. Like they feel way scarier, you know, mm-hmm. when they're not being looked at. That's mm-hmm. like the scariest part of all. Um, so I yeah. think that that's really helpful that that sense of, of unpacking it and keeping it at the forefront. So that's really, really cool. And then I think that another really big takeaway is that the small shifts and then that that importance of the mental aspect, like, okay, who do I want to be? And why am I being this person that's always the one that shows up to work? And who do I want to show up? So it sounds like a little more clarity and some stuff to play with and mm-hmm. see what comes out of it. Yeah. I get to get a haircut. <laughs> it's always yeah. fun to go get a haircut, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for for showing up for yourself and just playing in the space. I hope it was helpful. Thank you so much. Thank you for being so really empathetic and like approaching things with a gentle approach to, hey, this looks like it's going on. I think that's, that's really helpful. So thank you very much. You're welcome. We appreciate you tuning into the Coaching by Bell podcast, created and hosted by Isabel Hertz Coaching. This podcast is made possible by the support of our listeners, community, and guests. To learn more about how to donate or to contact us about guest suggestions or anything else, head over to www.isabelhertz.com. That is I-S-A-B-E-L-L-E-H-E-R-T-Z.com. Every story shared has the possibility to unlock greater potential. Coaching by Bell does this one story at a time. Thanks for listening.